The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hello, I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thank you for joining me on Psych Up Live. Today we're speaking about a topic that is too often ignored, understanding and healing sexually betrayed men and boys. It will surprise you to hear that by age 16, as many as one in six boys has had unwanted direct sexual contact with someone older. This is a tragic reality that can't be ignored. Our guest is Dr. Richard Gardner. He is a pioneer and major contributor to understanding and treating sexually betrayed men and boys. He is co-founder of MaleSurvivor.org and is quoted widely in the media on this topic. He is the author of many books, Betrayed as Boys, Beyond Betrayal, Taking Charge of Your Life After Boyhood Sexual Abuse, and he has two new edited books coming out, Understanding the Sexual Betrayal of Boys and Men and Healing Sexually Betrayed Men and Boys, Treatment for Sexual Abuse, Assault, and Trauma. He is also editor of a book for those who work with men and boys who have suffered this type of abuse, Trauma and Counter-Trauma, Resilience and Counter-Resilience, Insights from Psychoanalysts and Trauma Experts. Dr. Gardner is a training and supervising analyst, faculty and founding director of the Sexual Abuse Service at the William Allison White Psychoanalytic Institute. Overall, he has been very well regarded and honored in this field. Dr. Richard Gardner, is it a privilege to welcome you to Psych Up Live? Well, thank you, Suzanne. I'm very happy to be talking to you. Terrific. Let's start, Dr. Gardner, by defining for our listeners, what do we mean when we say sexual abuse? Okay. Well, let me first say that, uh, as you mentioned in, in your introduction, uh, I talk about betrayal. Uh, and I think that betrayal as an interpersonal event is really the, uh, the trauma of sexual abuse. Uh, it's by definition an interpersonal experience. It changes the frame of reference for interpersonal relationship. Seemingly unbreakable bonds are broken. And the betrayed individual feels jagged, awry, uh, fractured, hurt. 
with abuse, there's a, uh, an added component of exploitation where an abuser uses a power relationship to satisfy his or her own needs without regard to the needs of the, of the person being abused. And with sexual abuse, sexual behavior is the vehicle for the exploitation. And mm-hmm. all of that is different than trauma, which is the effect on the victim. The abuse is what the uh, abuser does. The trauma is what happens to the victim. Yes, and we're going to be talking about how this impacts men and boys' lives. Now, because this is often not spoken about enough, there are many myths that even men and boys who have suffered hold, and I wondered if we could dispel some of those myths. Okay. Uh, Well, uh, there's a group of 10 or 11 that I, I often talk about. Uh, first, that men cannot be sexually abused, uh, that that's something that only can happen to women. And uh, a corollary is that women do not abuse sexually, which is, which is untrue. Uh, third is that sexual abuse is always overt, meaning that it always uh, involves um, touching and penetration and the obvious sexual activity. But in fact, often it can be uh, less obvious, like asking a child to pose for pornography. Um, or showing a child pornography, or even covert, um, like mm, paying far too much attention to a child's genital maturation, uh, giving baths uh, way past the, 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 the age a child needs to have a, an adult supervise, and you know, scrubbing where you know, scrubbing isn't needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's about covert abuse. Then there's a myth that only sissies and weaklings allow abuse and that if you're a strong man, you would never have allowed it. Um, And also that children should be able to say no to abuse if violence isn't used. And if they didn't, they must have wanted the abuse to occur. Uh, Very important is if a boy feels sexual arousal, he is an equal participant in the abuse. But the fact is that certainly for adolescent boys and sometimes younger, if you touch them in certain places, they're going to get aroused. It's it's, uh, it's simply physiology. Uh, But that's very confusing to boys who knew that even though they felt a certain amount of physical pleasure, it was not something they wanted. Um, another one is that uh, male victimizers who molest boys consider themselves gay and are interested sexually in other men. In fact, they almost always identify as heterosexual. Uh, and then that sexual abuse turns a boy gay, which is very devastating to um, both to gay and straight boys who are abused. Uh, straight boys, uh, because and when I say straight, I mean boys who are on their way to becoming straight in the natural course of things, uh, they get very confused about why, why anybody would have picked them out uh, for this kind of, of, of treatment and whether you know, the abuser knew something about him that, that he himself did not know. Whereas a boy growing up to be, growing up to be uh, towards being gay uh, may feel hurried into self-defining him that way and later may have real trouble um, g- gaining any kind of positive sense of himself as a gay man if he feels that the abuse is the reason he is gay. Mm-hmm. And then finally, that sexually abused boys almost inevitably grow up to be sexually abusive men. Um, this is simply not true. You know, what makes these so important, Dr. Gardner, from from the folks that I have worked with is that in addition to the betrayal and the insult 
of sexual abuse on young men um, and, and, and children is when they carry some of these myths. I have had men come believing they were gay because of this when in fact they were not. The self-blame is across the board. There's tremendous confusion. Yeah. I, I think when you said, and I and you, you read it in a number of your books, children do not have the capacity to give informed consent to sexual activity. It's such an important thing for people to know. In every case, even if the child liked, respected, or revered the person, it's a violation. That's correct. Um, and and of course, uh, people who are uh, want uh, who are looking for children to abuse often get themselves into positions of of power and respect and trust, and that gets back to the trauma of the betrayal because it's those are the people who have betrayed this boy, and so it has a devastating effect for many uh, on all future relationships. Now, that's mm. true for, for girls as well, I should say, and, and many of the things I'm saying are true for girls as well, but we're talking about boys right now. Mm. Now, many people ask, including the men and the boys themselves, why didn't he speak up? Why didn't mm-hmm. I speak up? So I thought, let's talk a little bit about how it happens that there's this code of silence. People carry a secret which just costs so much in terms of their own interpersonal growth and development. Why don't people speak up? Well, there are a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, often uh, the abuser will somehow co-opt the boy and say, this is something we did, and you'll get in trouble if anyone knows about it, so we'll just keep it our secret. Um, uh, and the reason that we know that you, we both did it together is that you got aroused. And so that, then the boy feels mm-hmm. humiliated and embarrassed and, and guilty. Um, or uh, an abuser may um, actually threaten the boy, say, if you tell someone, I will know and I will come and get you, or even worse. I will come and get some member of your family. I had a boy who was abused for years by someone who said, if you tell, I will murder your mother. Mm. So he was silent for years. Yes. So there are many, there are many reasons. And, and, and um, you know, uh, the silence breeds silence. The, more, the longer he's silent, the more he feels he can't talk now because he didn't say anything then. And the silence tends to make somebody, there's kind of a spread of effect so that he remains silent and uncommunicative and unrelated about many things, not just about sex or about the abuse. Yes. Um, in fact, sometimes the, the boy becomes a loner. Sometimes right. he feels he's tainted in some way or people will just know. And then there's the case, I wondered if you could speak a little to, when literally, psychologically, when you are a victim of abuse, of assault, of the unspeakable, you literally dissociate. You, yes. I mean, some children have to survive by literally splitting off. I wondered if right. you could mention something about that. 
Okay, well, you know, let me let me just say a few words about what dissociation actually is. It's a it's a kind of a self-induced hypnotic state that protects somebody from feeling disoriented and pain. It's a, um, a kind of severing of ties between different kinds of mental contents, uh, often before they even enter awareness. By mental contents, I mean, um, you know, feelings, emotions, behavior, knowledge of facts and sensation, so that somebody may know the fact that, this, that he was abused, for example, and say, but it didn't matter, uh, because he has dissociated the feelings that went along with it. Now, dissociation is something that everybody does. There's everyday dissociation. Uh, I'm sure you've had the experience of driving along in a car and suddenly you're 10 exits beyond the last time you noticed where you were and you hardly know how you got there because you were thinking of some problem. So you were in an everyday way dissociating the highway as you went along and it probably didn't affect your driving at all. And then there's adaptive dissociation, which happens in the moment of abuse or trauma. Um, Adaptive in the sense that it actually protects the child from the overwhelming feelings that uh, otherwise would overcome him or her. Um, uh, and so you often, uh, I've often heard uh, uh, boys say, suddenly I was on the ceiling and I was looking down at a boy being abused. He had an out-of-body experience, literally, and it didn't feel to him like his body was the one being abused. In the moment, that is adaptive. In the same way that if you're in a burning building, for example, and uh, if you are to let yourself feel all the panic you're going to feel, you won't be able to make good judgments about how to, how to find a way out of the building. So you may dissociate all that panic, kind of put it in a, a box somewhere in the corner of your mind, make the plan to get out, and then only after you're out feel a panic, and that's very adaptive dissociation. Right, the, right. The problem is that um, yeah, that can become what we might call traumatic or dysfunctional dissociation, where it's the first thing that people go to when they feel anxious. This often happens if people have been repeatedly abused and are repeatedly dissociated this way. Um, they are most likely to uh, just, uh, as soon as they get anxious about anything, they, they have a, a kind of a global defense uh, against feeling disintegrated. Mm. Now, it, it, it has come to mind when I'm working with someone for whom he thinks his brother or his friends were also, he remembers them also being in the situation, but they have absolutely no memory of it. So it makes one wonder if those children might have needed, as we call this dissociation that you're talking about, you know, the escape when there is no escape. Now, you know, that being said, <clears throat> Do you think it's the case that sometimes someone literally, Dr. Gardner, has put it out of mind and body almost, and then a film like Spotlight comes out, mm-hmm. and or we see a scandal in the paper about a prep school, and or we see something about, yes, we know we can have abusers in all places, or about a team or a coach, and all of a sudden, somebody's terrified. And that's the trigger to something that was well-walled off for a long time. Right. Well, that's the moment when the dissociation breaks through. 
Uh, I've known people even before it was talked about very much in the media, uh, someone who saw a documentary that in some way mentioned abuse, and then suddenly it all came piling back into his mind. Now, in two th- until 2002, when I spoke about sexual abuse of boys, uh, people often were quite bewildered because they, they thought it didn't happen, or if it did happen, it was extremely rare. Um, but after 2002, when the church scandals emerged, uh, it, was, it was hard to say that such a thing doesn't exist, because whether or not any given priest was actually an abuser, it was pretty clear that there were a lot of priests who were abusing, and so people began to talk about it. So many people uh, came forward during that period, whether they were abused by priests or not. Uh, If they were abused by somebody, either it suddenly came back and they remembered it, having dissociated it, or it gave them the courage to come forward and tell the secret that they'd been hiding all along, each of which is a positive for somebody who's uh, you know, been, been in that kind of situation all these years. That's, you know, we're going to take a break, but maybe that is really something for us to underscore, and that is that as painful as the awakening or coming out of dissociation or daring to feel you have a right to address this may be, it is, as you're going to be talking about, it is the only way to take charge of defining yourself again. Um, we, we're going to take a brief break. You're listening to Psych Up Live, and we're speaking with Dr. Richard Gardner. He's an expert in treating sexually abused men. He's the author and editor of many books, two new books soon to be released, Understanding the Sexual Betrayal of Boys and Men and Healing Sexually Betrayed Men and Boys. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you're seeking more confidence, it is time to feel good naked. Each week, host La Redmond and her guest experts are here to help you be you. In order to truly be successful and happy, you need self-confidence, self-love, and self-respect. Feel Good Naked Radio will teach you how to embrace these qualities and make your life more fulfilling and meaningful. Listen live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be proud of who you really are from the inside out. What defines your success? Is it success in your business? Success in your personal life? Is it more money? Is it meaningful relationships? How about your passion? Listen for Taking Care of Business with host David Wallach. David's guests share their challenges and what they did to overcome them. What if you can let your passion for success lead you to your success? Taking Care of Business is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. 
Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking about betrayal and abuse of boys and men, sexual betrayal and abuse of boys and men. And we're here with Dr. Richard Gardner. We were addressing how it happens when someone comes out in terms of their own abuse in the media, how important that could be. And you mentioned celebrities, Dr. Gardner. Right. I I think very often celebrities, particularly people who are in some way idols uh, to young people, uh, come out. And uh, I just I'll just say a few names of people who have said publicly that they were abused: Carlos Santana, uh, Jonathan Davis of of Corn, or Axl Rose of Guns N' Roses, mm-hmm. uh, athletes like uh, NFL player. Um, uh, Lever, um, Leverinoise, uh, uh, Coles, or NBA player Kevin Fowling, or NHL player Sheldon Kennedy, uh, or R.A. Dickey, or, um, uh, uh, or diving champion, uh, Greg Luganis, or mm. performers and actors like, um, Gabriel Byrne, Derek Luke, um, uh, Tom Arnold. And uh, and then actor directors like Antoine Fisher and Tyler Perry, and uh, uh, newscasters uh, Don Lemon, uh, Thomas Roberts, journalist Charles Blow uh, of the New York Times came out uh, a while back talking about his childhood abuse, and even politicians like former Senator Scott Brown of Massachusetts. All of them came out over a period of many years, and every single time one of them came out in the media, uh, boys and men felt empowered to get help to break their silence. And so it's been really a true, they've done a tremendous uh, service to the world in, in, in taking these risks, uh, by coming out about it. It's a tremendous gift because it talks about life after abuse and not having to define yourself in terms of the abuse. It it is a wonderful gift. Now, one of the things that um, we were speaking about at the break is um, that it matters who the abuser is, be it a parent, be it a priest, be it the military sergeant that you trusted, these things play a part. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, interestingly, almost everybody who's come to me over the years, and I've, I've, I've treated or supervised the treatment of, you know, literally thousands of men at this point. Um, but almost everyone whose story I knew intimately was abused by somebody he knew. So it can be a mother, a father, a sister, or a brother, but it can be a grandmother or grandfather. It can be cousins, aunts, uncles. It could be teachers. It could be scoutmasters. 
uh, it could be clergy. Uh, it can be, uh, as you say, a, a, a someone in the military. Uh, and all of these people, uh, and maybe we can get back to what it, but specifically uh, the difficulty when, it, when it's a priest or another religious figure. Um, uh, these people uh, really m- make it very difficult for a person to trust people in authority ever again mm-hmm. uh, if they've given them all this trust. And I just want to say a word about the military. Um, there's been a lot of um, publicity, and, and justly so, uh, about uh, how women are uh, sexually harassed or assaulted in the military. Um, but very little is said about the men who are, who are assaulted. Um, it, 5% of women are assaulted in the military and 1% of men. However... Mm-hmm. The number of women is so much smaller than the number of men in the military that, in fact, by absolute numbers, there are far more men in the military who have been sexually assaulted than women. We never think about that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things um, from something that, that I came across recently was when someone frames the abuse as hazing, breaking you down so that we'll build you up. When right. there's a rationale used by, I think one of your victims at one point, or survivors, I'll say, said they always have a tool. They always have an angle that right. justifies, which is very, uh, which is more abusive, uh, because it then it legitimizes this atrocity. It legitimizes it, and it delegitimizes the child's own capacity to think about what is happening to me. Yes, yes. Um, so whether it's military and, 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 or... Yeah, people will say it's education. I'm just teaching you about sex so you'll know better when you grow up. And so we're going to practice that kind of thing. And, you know, a child kind of makes sense to a child uh, on some level. Well, and it might even in the military make someone think I have to shut up and put up with this. And actually, that's the other problem. When there is nowhere to go with it, if you feel like I can't mention it to anyone else in my unit, or if you're a child who comes from an extremely religious Catholic home with, and we're dealing with a priest who visits on a regular basis, there's no one you're going to tell you might really love this man, and that's part of the confusion with, with much about what you write, even when they're not clergy, um, Dr. Gardner. When someone feels, someone gave me affection, someone taught me um, wonderful things about literature, somebody right. helped me um, be bright and just as important as them, it's very conflictual for someone to figure out, and you were being abused. Right. Uh, I had one man who who said, uh, you know, uh, and, and in his case, he was being abused by a priest, and he said uh, he taught me about literature, he taught me about culture, he elevated me well beyond my my family's level of understanding of all those things, and anyone looking at us would have thought he was the best mentor in the world, and except for the fact that we were having sex on a you know several times a week, he would have been the best mentor, and so. He, even though at that point he was furious at this man, he couldn't be only furious. He also felt loving and confused and, uh, you know, very heartbroken about it. 
Mm. And what you say, uh, I want our listeners to know that in Dr. Gardner's new books, um, he he addresses the issue of military. He addresses priest as father, in in um, and there's also, you know, an extension of neurology and trauma. The the new edited books that I'll mention again when we take the break, really expand the contribution Dr. Gardner has made because these issues are so very complicated. Now, so the question then becomes, what have you seen overall so that listeners know, what are the kind of patterns of difficulties that we see in men and even young men who have suffered this kind of abuse? Okay. Well, let me say, first of all, that the aftermath for uh, boys and girls is more similar than different. However, and that, that might include things like post-traumatic stress disorder, flashbacks, night terrors, uh, interpersonal isolation. But then there are also character issues involving trust, depression, masochism, shame, dissociation, as we've spoken about, boundary violations, not really understanding what's appropriate in terms of violating someone's personal boundaries, and addictive and compulsive behaviors. Um, so, specifically there, we're, you know, we're talking about sexual compulsions, um, uh, uh, workaholism, uh, compulsive working out, alcohol and drug addiction, uh, sexual dysfunction is also another likely um, uh, aftermath or an inability to be sexual with someone he cares about. Um, and also hyperarousal and rage, uh, uh, which may paradoxically be coupled with numbness when he, when he dissociates that rage. But then when the dissociation uh, is broken through, he may not be able to handle the rage because he's never really learned because it's always been dissociated. Um, what else? Constricted emotions. Well, well, it's interesting. I just want to go back to that because in, in men that I've worked with, I loved your comment that what we see is often the rage of a child in a man's body right. with, with very little understanding of why am I so quick to become so enraged. In right. fact, would you say that those common symptoms that you just described often... People don't come for treatment because of the abuse. They come for one of the symptoms that they may not even be tying to the abuse. Right. Yeah, um, that's often true. Uh, I, I think men tend to go for treatment much later than women, and that's true across the board. Uh, men don't go to treatment for anything as, as, as easily as women might. But the men who come for treatment uh, for sexual abuse, I've had very few, I've had a few um, men who came to me in their late 20s, uh, and very few younger than that, and more likely their late 30s or their 40s, 50s, 60s, and even men in their 70s. Um, and in the meantime, they've had um, lives of alcoholism or gambling or uh, drug addiction, um, and and those were their ways of coping because those are all ways to numb numb pain and kind of self-medicate, whether it's behaviorally with something like gambling or actually physically with with, with uh, uh, say opioid addiction uh, or something like that. Mm. Um, 
one of the things that you touch in one of the in the new books is the impact on a couple. And I've often had I do a great deal of couple work. A couple come to deal with um, either acting out or um, addiction to porn or um, betrayal. And it's not until the couple starts working that the history of the man becomes clearer to everyone mm-hmm. and how it fits in what's not possible in terms of intimacy in this marriage. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I have often initially uh, gotten calls from men's fiancés or wives or partners uh, because the men themselves have difficulty coming forward, difficulty speaking to anyone about it, even though they may have expressed an interest. Um, and even though these, you know, these partners um, may be very empathic in, in general, they don't really know what, what to do, how to handle what they're, what they're dealing with. Um, uh, they don't understand why these, say this, this rage comes so easily or, um, or why somebody is so uh, isolated or antisocial uh, or asocial. And um, so it can be very helpful to be in couples therapy. Usually once a man has been in treatment for a while himself so that he has some understanding of how uh, his abuse is connected to the current way he lives. At that point, uh, uh, making a referral for for couples work can be very helpful, particularly if it's a, a sympathetic partner. And I want to add, in terms of referrals, that um, MaleSurvivor.org, which was started by Dr. Gardner, is a very valuable resource for anyone listening to to go to as a source, and you can probably speak to it better, Dr. Gardner. It's a source not only for information, but for potential therapy and matching with therapists. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let me say I was a co-founder. I, I don't want to take the, okay. uh, all, 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 all the credit because there were a number of us who were doing it at that time. That was in 1994. Uh, and we've developed our website, which has uh, several ways that are very helpful to men and to their families. First is just information. There are articles of one sort or another. Um, and second, there is, as you say, a resource directory where therapists uh, are listed who have expressed an interest in working with male survivors. Um, you know, from every, from well, from many states. I don't know if it's every state. Uh, and so, uh, while I would still suggest to anyone that they that they talk and make sure there's a good fit with that therapist, there are at least a list of, of therapists who you know who are interested in in, in the topic. But there's another um, source of help, which is the discussion forum. Uh, as I said, people are very isolated, and they tend to not have told anybody. And the discussion forum is a bulletin board type thing where people make a post, and then someone uh, responds. It's all done anonymously, so no one knows who the original post was by uh, or who the responder is. And yet, even so, under those circumstances, they begin to feel a sense of community, a sense of connection. And that's particularly helpful for people who live in... Um, uh, isolated communities, uh, say, you know, uh, uh, in the mountains somewhere or in, you know, in um, well, many places, more rural areas. Mm-hmm. 
where they have no sense, they can't even find a therapist within 100 miles, and certainly not somebody who is skilled in this, in this kind of work, but they can talk to others who may be anywhere in the world. So I, I strongly recommend that people do that. Uh, in terms of, um, of choosing a therapist, uh, in my book, Beyond Betrayal, I have a lengthy section about how to choose a therapist, and I've reprinted it on my website, which is richardgartner.com, uh, Richard uh, uh, and it's a lengthy section about the things to look for if you're choosing a therapist, particularly if you're in an area where there are no specialists in the area. You know, but we're going to take a break, but both things should be underscored. People heal with connection, yes. both in terms of a therapist and even those online chats, Is they are often the step to connection and finding yourself. We're going to take a brief break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Dr. Richard Gardner. He's the author of many books on betrayal of boys and men with sexual abuse. His two new books coming out, Understanding the Sexual Betrayal of Boys and Men and Healing Sexually Betrayed Men and Boys. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Second Wind Success, hosted by Gene Garino, is all about helping boomers catch their second wind in business and life. Most of us achieve our greatest success after the age of 50. Life has a learning curve with a few stumbling blocks along the way. As long as you stay committed to your vision and adapt along the way, you'll find the success you're looking for. Tune in to Second Wind Success every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. 
Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're talking about understanding and treating sexually abused men and boys. We're going to be talking about treatment now. We're talking with expert Dr. Richard Gardner. Dr. Gardner, one of the things that um, you mention in Beyond Betrayal and actually throughout most of your literature and books is how men can go to treatment as a way of taking charge of their lives. Yes, they were victimized in the past, but they don't have to allow that to define them. How does treatment help them? What does it address? Okay, well, you know, first let me say that um, I, although I use it from time to time, the, the term survivors uh, doesn't capture how I like to think about men with sexual abuse histories, because that's how I like to think of them, as men who have histories of sexual abuse, but that doesn't define who they are. Um, and uh, although they may experience it that way. And I think to go uh, into treatment is a, is a very courageous act, for, for any man who does this. And the question often comes up, uh, why should I remember these unhappy events and feelings? So, you know, why not just focus on the positive and decide to be happier and less anxious and depressed? And of course, that would be great if we could do it. But in fact, I think the more we make believe it hasn't happened, the more it sort of comes out in disguised ways and just sort of, you know, just, just hits you when least expected. Uh, so in order to, to see yourself, to live your life more completely, I really think you have to experience your emotional past. Not experience it every day um, in its, you know, its full depth, um, but the less you understand your past, uh, the less you're going to understand and live the present and the future, and, you, and, and the less you're going to understand how the past is influencing your present and future without your truly being aware of it. Mm-hmm. So if uh, you allow yourself to know your history and you know, piece together the fragments of, of a traumatized life, you can reclaim it. You can say, yes, this, this is what happened to me. Uh, and then you can see and acknowledge the pain and the anger that you have may, may have known little or nothing about or that has, has completely suffused your, your psychic life up till then. Mm. But it also frees you up to feel joy, to feel love, to feel exhilaration. Uh, I, I tell people um, that uh, the goal of treatment is not to make the trauma never have happened. That's not possible. It happened. But instead of taking front and center in, in, in the, the life of uh, you know, uh, your life as you think about it, you know, with a spotlight on you in center stage, it may go off to the side somewhere. And you may think of it much less frequently. And it will be more like, a, say, the broken arm you had when you were 12 years old. Um, it will always be there. You'll always know it happened. But it won't suffuse uh, all of your emotional energy the way it, it, it had been. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, recovering the, the splintered emotions of the past establishes pathways in your brain that were abandoned long ago or were never constructed. And when you build those pathways, you restore your own life story. It becomes yours. It becomes familiar territory. And those isolated feelings of the past can fade to the corners of your memory, and most of the time they're going to remain there. And that's how you take charge of them. 
I often say to people, you're not going to become an abused child again. Your adult male self is going to have the opportunity to go back and reconsider what happened and take charge of where you're going to put that memory. And as you say, that life experience, but it doesn't have to define you. Now, Dr. Gardner, sometimes people will say to me, that's nice, but I really want the person to apologize. I need closure on this. And in the experience of those that I've worked with, often, whether it's a man or a woman, that's not going to happen. The person denies it. The person is no longer alive. um, Or there's no way to get that kind of closure. How do you address that? Okay, well, first of all, if somebody knows where the person is and wants to uh, to confront him or her, uh, I, I, I advise doing it with, with caution and to really think through the implications. First of all, to do it in a safe place where there are others around, where it can't, uh, you know, you can't get physically harmed. Um, but also, I think you have to think through what are the likely outcome. By and large, as you say, they will either say it never happened, or you wanted it, or you started it, uh, or it's all about your pleasure, not mine, or I don't know what you're talking about, and that's going to feel terrible. But your, um, you know, your healing does not have to. Uh, be dependent on whether this person says, yes, I did it. Most likely, he or she will not do that. And Mm -hmm. certainly not say, I apologize, I feel terrible. Occasionally, that does happen. I have had uh, people bring their abuser into therapy sessions, and there's been some sort of a a truth and reconciliation uh, moment or series of moments uh, and, and, and those abusers have been feeling guilty all their lives for what they did, but that is the exception. It is mm. not usually what happens. Usually, the person, often the person who was abusing was dissociating at the time of the abuse, too. And so they, it's very easy for them to say, well, it really was just education, or it really was just fun and games. Or, uh, and they are truly convinced in their own minds that there was no, no problem. And, and why is this young person now saying something, rewriting history? In his mind, that's what's happening. Or her mind, that's what's happening. Mm. You know, you use the term acknowledge, accept, and leave behind. Sometimes I've said to people, we can't get closure by getting somebody to admit it, but you can get closure by new connection with yourself and with a new life. That you are in charge of. Right. Well, I mean, one thing that, that hopefully happens in therapy is that you learn that not everybody is like your abuser. Um, you may also learn somewhere along the way uh, if you have become a magnet for people who are abusive, in which case there's a whole other area you need to to think about, uh, about how it is that you um, somehow are perceived easily as someone that vulnerable to, to, that, to that kind of trauma. But by and large, the world is not going to be made up of, of sexual abusers. And of course, the other thing is that um, adults are not children. Um, I've, I've had men talk about how well I'm afraid I'll be touched, and, and I say, well, and if you were, then what? You say, well, 
I'd walk away or I'd hit him or I'd, you know, whatever. Having forgotten until that moment that they are not the child who is just going to uh, be paralyzed and allow whatever happened to happen. Mm, I love the fact that one of your bo- your new book on healing sexually betrayed men and boys actually has a chapter on body awareness and self protection training for male yes. sexual. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's a very 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 good and important addition to it, as well as healing through community and peer connections. Right. So there are there are we're expanding ways that people can really, to your point, start to feel safe and start to be able to connect without anticipating abuse. Right. Yeah, one of the things that uh, I'm really excited about in these two books, it was originally going to be one book, but then there were so many interesting chapters that I expanded it to two. Uh, When I wrote Betrayed as Boys uh, about 20 years ago, uh, I wrote the whole book. There was very little in the literature about it, and they were not sub-areas that anybody was all that expert in. Uh, that's no longer true. And so I invited people who I knew to be uh, expert in one area or another to write about that area. For example, we have a chapter on uh, tra- uh, sexual trafficking of boys or uh, sexual healing of military, I mean, healing of, 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 of military sexual trauma um, or or child therapy, or um, some of them you've mentioned, like uh, uh, working with a spouse, or working with uh, with men who have gone on to abuse, and of course there are a number who do, uh, and it's very hard to find uh, uh, treatment facilities for them. Um, okay, really good. Um, let me ask you, since we're talking about treatment again, how would people find you and um, your material and your upcoming books as well as your existing books. Okay, well, the best way is to go to my website, I guess, and it's Richard Gardner, and it's Gardner with a T, richardgardner.com. Um, and uh, although my new books aren't up there yet, uh, hopefully I'll get that to my webmaster and that'll, that'll be there. Or uh, they're available on Amazon uh, and, and, and Barnes and & Noble. Um, and and uh, as I said, Male Survivor is a good resource. Uh, there's another one called oneinsix.org. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, luckily in the Internet age, we can find out such things in ways that we never could have found them at you know, 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, if you were to give our listeners um, a take-home message, let's give it for parents and also for men who've been abused, what what could you share? Okay, well, it may not be a simple one, but first okay. of all, first of all, you're not alone. Second of all, you were not responsible for what happened, even if there was a part of you or all of you that was hoping it would happen. You were at an immature part of your own development when your brain was not developed sufficiently to make appropriate judgments about such things. And so by far, the greatest responsibility goes to the older, more powerful, particularly if it's an adult person who in some way betrayed you. And that there's hope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if I were a parent that was worried that maybe I could miss the fact that my child was being abused, is there any way that I could know this, or how could I protect that from happening? 
Well, it, it, that's, that, that's a hard one because mm-hmm. the children who are hiding it, some children come out with it right away. They disclose right away, and in fact, they have the best outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the children who don't um, are, are going to deny it or, or are going to say it wasn't important or it didn't really matter. Uh, but if you look for sudden changes, like uh, a good student is suddenly a bad student, a, a child who's always home on time is suddenly out half the night, uh, um, uh, uh, or, or not uh, suddenly dropping all his friends, or uh, or making friends that you're you're worried about. Now, none of those has to be. Because right. he was sexually abused, but they are warning signs. Okay. And then the best, the best thing a parent can do really is to have an open relationship with a child before any of this happens. To yes. have that child know that the child can tell you anything, uh, and you will not punish them for something that something that they did that they think you will never be able to forgive them for, uh, and then to live up to that. Mm, I love uh, that. Because those are the children who disclose. The, yes, the ones yes. who trust that their parents will trust them. Right. In fact, it goes across the board, both with abuse and other things, to know the parents <clears throat> available to listen is, is Absolutely. really the gift. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> Dr. Gardner, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And <clears throat> I want to thank you for actually being instrumental in guiding clinicians to work with men and boys who've been sexually betrayed, um, as well as your own treatment of thousands. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much, Suzanne, for having me. And I I hope that a lot of people are listening and and getting something valuable out of this. Thanks again. Uh, Remember, to my listeners, I want to thank you. You can hear this and any prior show as a podcast on my host site, my website, on Dr. Gardner's site, he can he may have it on the podcast app of your iPhone, on iTunes. It's actually, once it's a podcast, it is very available on Sketcher, etc. Please feel free to comment or question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Until next week, mostly, take care, thank you, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.